Hi, and welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world. Welcome to the Insiders Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Simon Hazeldean. I'm a sales transformation strategist and sales performance consultant, helping my clients to get more sales more often with more margin. I'm also a keynote speaker and author of seven books on sales and negotiation. And I'm your host, along with my co-host, the one and only Richard Lane, who is the co-founder of Durham Lane, who are an inside sales partner that helps businesses to grow their revenue through an integrated sales and marketing methodology. So Richard, great to be back with you and also great to have our guest with us. So I'm going to hand over to you to do the introductions. Yes, thank you, Simon. And I agree, wonderful to be back. Thrilled to introduce our guest, Sasha Rahman, Head of Strategic Marketing and Sales Excellence at IFM Group. I know from our pre-call, we're going to have a really fascinating conversation today. And I'll hand back to you, Simon, to get us kicked off. Wonderful. Thank you, Richard. So, so Sasha, what we always ask our guests to do is just sort of introduce yourself to our listeners. Give us a little bit of background and how you came to be in the role you're in currently so they can kind of get to know you a little bit. Sure. Now, thanks, Simon, Richard. I'm happy to join you guys both. Um, um, I think it was around four years ago I was offered the exciting opportunity to join IFM and build some new capabilities in a global function um, related to strategic marketing and sales excellence. Um, we're a kind of international interface function in the holy trinity of the IFM go-to-market, so product management, marketing, and sales. Um, those are our um, sparring partners. We have the classical tasks in strategic marketing related to market intelligence, customer intelligence. Um, on the sales excellence side, we look at sales and data analytics and try to integrate some newish data science concepts um, and also talk a little bit about pricing um, and implementing some tools and processes there. Um, before joining IFM, um, I was um, in my last function director in the management consultancy Simon Kutcher and Partners, um, focusing on top line topics. Um, my um, client base was in machinery, electronics, paper packaging, so always pretty much in the B2B space, so to say. Fantastic. So thank keeping you busy by the sounds of things. So it'd be very interesting. Business development is always a hot topic for anybody on our podcast audience listening into us. So I'd be really interested from from an IFM perspective, how do you approach business development as an organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so we're privately owned. Um, that means we have a little bit of a longer breath when it comes to a mission <laughs> and a vision. Um, and since 50 years, we had the mantra, um, successful and safe growth. And we operationalize those two keywords, success, meaning we hone in on our bread and butter industries that we are really successful and have a strong fit over the years, food and beverage, automotive, uh, machine tools to be named. And we also want to tackle new and, um, let's say, future growth industries for us around e-mobility, around water and wastewater, um, the warehouse industry, um, so that we have a nice balance in our industry portfolio there. Um, and safety, um, that for us is all about customer base, right? Um, maybe not to be too reliant on too few customers to grow the customer base and offer them our complete solution space in position sensors, process sensors, network and control and, and software. Um, so in, increasing a little bit the cross-selling aspects. I think we're a little bit of a different animal than the kind of 
classical hidden champion in the mid-sized uh, B2B area, which has a, let's say, classical T shape, right? T on the side that they are globally active, but in a very niche segment. You can rather compare us with kind of a millipede, right? With thousand different <laughs> uh, legs um, to, to achieve that stability a little bit more. And so the, the millipede, which I love, what a wonderful, wonderful concept. That's definitely a first, uh, Sasha. So I strongly recommend you copyright that or, or whatever as, as, soon as, as soon as you possibly can. And that's helping you to reduce that reliance. Often happens organizations, we become very reliant on, you know, the old Pareto 80-20 principle, you know, a small number of customers delivering most of the revenue. So you're actively attempting to kind of disrupt that typical percentage then by the sounds of things. Yeah, it's, it's a tough job, of course. Um, on the one hand, we want to balance where we're coming from and still tap into that bread and butter um, business, but continuously pushing also our sales colleague, our sales team to look at these newer areas. Um, it's, it's in that sense, of course, not easy to, to tackle new challenges in maybe newer industries and, and fight, um, to a better fit. But that's definitely something, um, that we're aiming for. And if I look at again, this kind of trio product management, sales and marketing in those instances where all of us three entities have really worked closely together, then that has always been, um, a kind of formula for success for also tackling new, new areas. And Richard, from a, your perspective at, at Durham Lane, um this getting the right balance with a sales team around you know servicing customers where you know you've got a strong proposition and you understand them and then and forging into new territories what's your what's your thoughts and your perspective on that yeah it's interesting simon you know i think sasha's described really eloquently the the ability to grow within your base but also the need for new um i i think i think sales people often go where go where they find the easiest revenue. So um, I think the the trilogy between product management, marketing and sales has to be successful if you're going to successfully cross an upsell into your account base. Where customers typically come to Durham Lane is when they want to accelerate into the net new. Uh, that is a different skill. It's a different sales process typically in terms of you're having to forge into a new market. You're going to have to create noise and awareness in a space where maybe you don't have the the brand recognition or reputation or base usually. So that's where we typically get involved, Simon. But I would love to explore more uh, with Sasha how we how you're able to sort of tie those three pieces of the triangle together to create to create that success. Sounds fascinating. Yeah, give us give us your uh, give us your perspective on that, Sasha. Your insight into those. You know, you've got the product, the marketing, the sales, and you and you, you talk about getting those connected and 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 working together. How's that? How you go about achieving that? Because that's that's quite a challenge for most organisations. Yeah, I think what definitely helps is putting at the end of the day, if you visualize that triangle, one thing in the center of it, then that's the customer, right? What I do have to say also from my experience from other companies, entities working in our area in, in the product management, um, they are really close contact working quite in depth with, with accounts. And we have this kind of outside in perspective when also developing um, new products, um, really um, looking into the customer needs quite in detail. And there's not, let's say, a lot of, lot of interference points when it comes to that, but really close contact one-to-one -one customer to product management um, and ideally also to marketing to achieve that kind of customer focus. Fantastic. Thank you. And to just to loop back to something you mentioned earlier, you were referencing your complete solution. 
So as an organization, how are you addressing this this transition, uh, which a lot of organizations face, what we might call component selling? I think you described it as in our, our, pre, our pre-conversation to a system stroke solution selling approach. Yeah, I think our strong bench that we have in our sales team, right? The, the function at IFM, um, they, they're, they're called sales engineers. We've also a little bit of focus on kind of this, the second part. So we do have the strong advantage of 50 years in-depth application knowledge on the shop floor of our customers. In-depth knowledge together with the maintenance management team of our customers on, on what works and what does not work. So that's that's a good foundation definitely and to evolve a little bit also our sales team i think we're really working also on the skill set so being able to multi-channel when you are a sales function so not only being over relying on the on-site presence but being able to engage online or on the phone in a good and promising manner and working on your discovery skills so really listening to the customer and being able to finally attune and 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 tailor your recommendations coming of that and finally it's also a bit of a sales organization challenge right that you have to think about a good team composition maybe of generalists in your team but for certain special tasks to really being able to put a specialist on a project um, be it a industry specialist in food and beverage or automotive or being at a technology specialist in the camera technology that we are offering um, to really provide some in-depth um, expertise um, for our customers so that's kind of like selling as a as a team sport rather than an individual sport perhaps which which is a is a whole skill set in itself i think for for salespeople who are if i could if i could be a little bit generalist for a moment are more like the lone warrior maybe than the team player is that is that a perspective you're seeing as well richard from from Durham Lane, this need for this team more of a broad team approach yeah it is it is simon and i wonder whether that lone wolf analogy is is sort of quickly becoming dated i think that still does exist but i i can't see how you could really be successful truly successful these days by trying to do everything yourself i think as as sasha has already explained you you have to have different not just individuals but functions of a business working together to create the right success for and the right outcomes for your business so yeah, we, we still see that, but and, and certainly with some of our clients, we see that is there's, you know, we have a number of people that don't seem to want to engage with anyone else, but, you know, are very good when they get in a certain place. But I think that's becoming a little bit two dimensional uh, in today's 3D world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, you know, bringing in your subject matter expert sometimes at a very early stage of the process, you know, might be might be earlier now than we might have we might have thought about traditionally, right? Well, and maybe one thing to think there is how technology has facilitated that process, because rather than having to get someone on a plane to go to a customer meeting, you can just dial them in and now it's normal and it's not seen to be a, a sub experience or an inferior sense of of, uh, of time, is it? Yeah, I mean, certainly I would say with my clients, they, they've certainly reported over the last two years or so, you know, okay, accelerated something that was already happening anyway with COVID was it's just easier to get those stakeholders and multiple people onto a, a virtual meeting and providing your sales team have the skills to manage those virtual meetings. That's a fantastic opportunity for you. So yeah, it's a good, uh, it's, a, it's a good thing, I think, for people to be to be focusing on. Um, Sasha, you, you'll be very familiar. The data, the research has been around a while, you know, the, the CEB research 
research that mm-hmm. and it was some years ago now b2b buyers like 57 percent of the way through through their way to a buying decision before they want to engage with sales so well, what are you doing to to en- to help your customers to learn and engage with ifm at an <laughs> earlier stage i love ceb to be honest um simon <laughs> i find it super inspiring research one additional point which was mentioned there right is that this kind of um problem set that with more information customers actually feel much more uncertain and stressed out mm. so it's a fallacy to think that they're at ease with their purchase decision and um i also found it interesting that in b2b the number of stakeholders involved continuously is going up right on average we now have i think roughly it was 7 or 8 stakeholders involved in these kind of purchase decisions and um if i just make a kind of analogy in my private life and you probably can all relate to that um if i go traveling um so to say on a, on a private trip and in the past i would have rifled through a online through a catalog right and um, been able to uh select a hotel quick and easy now when i went to the algarve with my family during easter i had the feeling i looked up every single hotel online um before i had a good strong feeling of making the right decision right so that's definitely kind of a, a mind bender but what does that mean for for our customers at IFM, I think we need to kind of manage their risk of regret, right? And, and loss of purchase ease and, and support them a little bit. And for us, that would mean to go a little bit away from a kind of responsive approach to more of a prescriptive approach rather than offering them a complete array of the complete options available, maybe listening to them more closely through discovery and um, offer them a little bit more tailor-made bespoke solutions coming through the full breadth of our portfolio. And and, and how would we operationalize that? Um, I think online, you mentioned, we work heavily with our learn more pages online where you can really educate yourself properly and come to a first good good idea um, there. And kind of offline in the sales approach, it's quite important, I think, to just speak their language, right? Um, To know that in food and beverage, one of the key issues at the moment is end product quality um, that we that puts a strain on production processes or be it in warehouse automation where we are completely moving away from rigid conveying to um, AGVs and autonomous mobile robots doing that job completely flexible and all of the challenges in the process steps there and I think when we can tap into that knowledge and then offer a a bit more of a tailor-made solution that's that's the first right step in the good direction there. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that sort of almost kind of my interpretation is you're you're guiding the customer in a certain in a certain direction because I and I think your perspective on that CEB research it almost sees okay they're fifty seven percent of the way through and yeah they're doing a great job and they're really happy actually they can be pretty stressed overwhelmed confused or misinformed or yeah. perhaps think they know actually more than they do right yeah. that can you know some a false sense of uh, of confidence Richard is that is that something you you're experiencing in interactions with your folks absolutely i, I you know for, again from a personal point of view i think back to to sasha's thoughts about the hotel i often think why can't there just be three options yeah. to choose from <laughs> <laughs> so um back to the psychology of buying yeah. Um, so yeah i mean we've talked before simon about being the sense makers and the storytellers and and i think at that discovery stage we have a responsibility and that's where most of of my team spend their their time is is what we call find and create and then define and understand as part of our selling at our high level 
methodology. And that discovery phase that Sasha's mentioned a couple of times is so, so important. And our job is to listen. Our job is to learn. Our job is to offer advice and tell stories of previous experiences, which we think might help and to make sense of some of the challenges that are our potential customers have. And I think it was Brian Tracy said that we offer free consultancy to qualified prospects. And that's sort of, I, I love that idea because, you know, our job really as, even even if it's the very front end of the sales process, if we can be thinking as a consultant, if we can be thinking as a strategic resource, then the worst that we can do is is be helpful. Um, so, you know, I think that that's a really good good way to, to think of your practice as being, you know, my job is to, my jo- can I be can I be a strategic resource from day one? No, but can I think like one from day one? Yes, and you know, I think worst case then is you're going to add a bit of value. Yeah, which is never never going to be a bad thing to do for for a customer. I know from my research when I was looking at applying neuroscience to sales, is like confused brains don't buy, right? If if you confused if you confused, you hit the pause button. And and Richard, you mentioned three, and my my good friend Graham Jones is an intercept, internet psychologist. Apparently, three is the optimum options to help people make a decision so uh yeah you know one is no choice two's a binary and three three apparently is the optimum so uh, how about yeah. that for our listeners there you go there's a bit of a bit of added value we hope so sasha I, when we were talking previously and i've taken a look at your 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 website and look, looked around you 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 talk about being you know uh customer focused and ifm close to you now lots mm. of organizations mm. will say they're close to their customers <laughs> we've yeah. everybody's got yeah. it on their office wall or on their website yeah. and yeah, yeah we're, we're close to, we're close to our customers or customer yeah. focus right yeah. um, how do you how do you make that an actual reality because i know you, you're doing yeah. some really great stuff from our pre-conversation yeah, we gave that question even back to our customers, to be honest. So, so the ones we've been engaged for quite some while and asked them even that question, how would you define the close to you-ness of, of IFM? And what we just got back there was topics like the the responsiveness and the agility of, of, of working um, of our sales engineers direct. So going maybe the extra mile in installation and commissioning, being there um, quite long on site, even off business hours, etc., to really go into that partnership with our customers together. Um, responsiveness also of our service center. We bench them in, let's say, number of minutes in terms of responsiveness. That's minutes and not hours or days, um, um, basically, as a, as a benchmark. And um, what they also mentioned as a kind of hard fact, um, and that's pretty much industry benchmark, is our five-year warranty on our products, um, where the norm would be one or two years, um, where we absolutely offer, um, in case of breakdown, etc., the full full support. And I do know from experience, even in product areas where it's tough, and if we're very honest, um, like for like, our um, peers in our industry are offering similar products, we were able to kick them out or um, attack uh, market shares just based on those soft effects all around close to you. So it seems to be a kind of tangible value at the end of the day. But I think it's it's a, so it's a theme that we've had a number of times from guests on the Insiders podcast is let ask the customer, right? Rather than mind reading the customer, what do we think the customer wants it is sometimes as profoundly simple as saying, what do we need to do to be close to you? What is your definition 
as 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 I think as you know to to paraphrase what you were saying, and then finding out what actually it is that they want, rather than what we might believe they want or be you know and make make and make an assumption about it. Yeah. So I think so. That, that absolutely, the typical let's say purchase decision criteria set that we kind of experience was third, 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 third product, third sales skills upfront, third service skills. So it's yeah. never um, only about the hard technical facts in B two B. It's really about a kind of nose factor and capability to really solve and uh, address additional problems uh, which come up during the, the purchasing process. So. And I must ask specifically, how many minutes was the response time from the customers? <laughs> what was the what 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 was what was the minutes? Four thousand eight hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's a whole podcast in itself, isn't it? Because yeah. It's for me, it's so obvious. Some someone is getting in touch because they've got a problem. It's front of mind. They need support. They don't need it in three hours' time. They need it now. So yeah. if you can get that response to, you know, fifteen minutes or under, then and you will stand out from the crowd. That's a, a great example of of close close to you. That's a really, really great example. I think also as well, um, Sasha, you're you're like us. You're in the B two B space, but all of our customers are business to consumer people in their private lives, and they are used to you know being able to get an answer really quickly from chat or to find what they want very very quickly, and also Amazon etc. You never wonder where your order is. You're always con and rapidly updated about about what's going on, and that definitely is influencing their perceptions about what they want from their from their b2b suppliers as well and you know speed speed is the need right it sounds an awfully trite expression but like richard's saying i have a problem now if i can find somebody who can solve that problem now you've probably got first mover advantage against your competition as well and that's so. let's say one of the core philosophy aspects from us that we do want to try to cover the value chain in its entirety right so from r&d to production to logistics to sales and service that's all on a string um, homegrown IFM, so to say, and through that kind of capability, of course, that that leads us um, to be able to upfront in front of the customer, then also to to respond fast and also to tackle certain challenges directly in house. Wonderful, thank you, thank you very much. It's 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 just great to get an insight from somebody who's actually walking the talk. I think rather than just uh, you know something that's uh, laminated on the wall of the office, which is or on the on the front page of the website. You know, we respond quickly. Four hours later, somebody comes back to you. Right? It's just. Uh, but also, what's also what's great about that is that you're responding to your customers, but not just to your prospects that you would like to be your customers. And there's often in B2B a lot of a lot of emphasis put on speed of response to people that aren't your customers yet. And then when they become your customers, they go into a different cadence. Yeah. Well, actually, you're delivering that superior service or that front of mind experience to your customers, which links back to your successful and safe growth. So, uh, yeah, it's a really nice story, Sasha. Yeah, and I think we can all in our um, in our private lives relate to being the difference between being an existing customer and a new customer. And uh, the re the red carpet appears to be rolled up and disappear, doesn't it? Once you once you move in, which is uh, is uh, then you start to feel neglected. And guess what? That prompts you to go to go somewhere else. Um, Sasha, you you've got a 
big organization. So if I recall correctly, and correct me if these numbers are wrong, you've got about 1,200 salespeople selling to 161,000 customers in 180 countries with a direct presence in 45 countries. That's a pretty impressive, pretty impressive set of metrics. How on earth do you create kind of joined up consistent communication with such such a large number of all customers and also such a diverse group yeah i would even bump up that number slightly so customer facing it's roughly 2000 people um, um oh gosh yeah, okay yeah uh, when we include also the service center um in those um, numbers there <laughs> i think what you just mentioned is, is a hot topic right it's a quite con Tentious one, um, heavily discussed. Um, probably at the end of the tunnel, there is kind of the holy grail of being able to shift your customers from a kind of push to a pull situation, right? Um, uh, when it comes to demand um, and joining up the communication. And um, the way we are tackling that is to really work also on the basics um, together with our team and truly understanding and mapping out the customer needs that are underlying and particularly um, production process optimization, world-class manufacturing as you will, um, and then thinking about kind of brackets and global teams where we as IFM can provide hard and tangible facts and Lego pieces to um, let's say um, offer um, solutions, and when when you do that, you you draw kind of dotted lines, right, between um, individual components, um, and and um, manage to be um, a little bit more clearer, more more concise, um, and that could then or or it feeds into our marketing communications then on the one hand side, um, um, but also even then to the solution selling. Um, space um, that we yeah really can say for example um, we 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 pay into the topic of inventory reduction in your warehouse through solution X Y Z um, based on on certain um, aspects in our certain components in our portfolio. So we've we've rather wonderfully gone from millipedes to Lego pieces as well. So <laughs> love, 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 loving loving the analogies. Uh, and Richard, I know at uh, Durham Lane, you have multi language capability because you're supporting clients who are selling across different sort of geographies and different areas. And what do you do to ensure for your clients that that, that there's that kind of joined up communication? Yeah, I'm not going to give you stats because they will seem so insignificant compared to uh, Sasha's <laughs> and IFM. But yeah, we operate uh, multilingual, I think, to be a, a UK and, and European focused business. That's that's a really a must. Um, I think there's a lot of value there for our customers as well, because not only can we represent them in different countries, but we can present a, a one voice uh, back to the customer. So a uh, big learning for us was uh, it's not just about having native tongue speakers that are the sales execs doing the prospecting, but you need to have native tongue speaking and understanding coaches and team leaders. Uh, so we've worked hard on that. And then we try and bring that all back into a one view from a customer success reporting cadence, whether that's weekly, monthly, and and then QBR quarterly reviews. So um, seems seems to be working well. We find some areas uh more and less complicated um and uh that that coaching piece is key because um if you don't understand what someone's saying you can't coach them 
it sounds obvious when I say it out loud, but actually, you know, we learned that the hard way. So uh, that was a, a good learning point for us on our on our multilingual journey. Fantastic. Well, I'm just conscious of time and uh, <clears throat> making sure we don't overstay our welcome with you, Sasha. So uh, <clears throat> thank you. Thank you very, very much for your uh, those fan- those fantastic insights. I mean, the, the transition to that complete solution piece was fascinating. And I, I, I really enjoyed your, your commentary on that CEB research. Yeah, they might have been doing they might have been doing the research, but it doesn't mean they're there yet. Right. So I mean, that's a that's a key skill for modern sales people to work out where that salesperson is in that information gathering journey and maybe correct any any misinformation right because uh, as, as any doctor will tell you dr google does not always diagnose problems correctly so <laughs> on behalf of my son who's a doctor so uh, you know they, hey i've got this problem mm, no you haven't and right and, and that's a gentle that's a gentle persuasion i think going going forwards and wonderful i think about you know your ability of your organization to genuinely get close to its customers i think is will be a real lesson for for our our listeners to uh, to learn from richard a closing comments from you sir yeah i've really really enjoyed it simon and sasha so thank you as always uh a few few notes that i made uh successful and safe growth so uh yeah the difference maybe between being private and equity backed um was interesting we didn't really have time to talk in that in detail but we could maybe revisit another time um selling as a team sport and and i love the the phrase manage the risk of regret um which is uh another another really interesting and probably under thought about um sales skill which uh is is an important between the handoff between sort of sales and customer success and and, and then finally i think the you know a big a big takeaway for anyone listening to our podcast wanting to in, improve their their sales skills is just think about uh timeliness you know respond yeah. respond rapidly and people will think you're better uh, so um you know and uh we talked about discovery and, and all of those other areas so yeah great to have you sasha thank you so much uh from Durham Lane and from from the insiders podcast for being our guest been a pleasure <laughs> thanks a lot gentlemen Wonderful. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody for listening into this episode. Please make sure you subscribe to the Insiders podcast and you'll be notified of new episodes which have been released on a regular basis. So thank you very much for listening in, folks. The Insiders by Durham Lane. Subscribe today to never miss an episode.